Return of the King recap. With the help of a murderous demonic vagina, Darry, the pickup artist maestro seduction coach supremo, has been invited to the biggest men's rights and masculinity convention in North America. So far, he's charmed the socks off all the major masculinity manosphere players. They love him so much, he's been invited to join the men's council where they're working to find a way to get on message. Return of the King, chapter 23. When we were kings. Three hours into Malcolm's conflict resolution session, Darry was ready to flip the conference table. Pastor Jason had managed to alienate virtually everyone in the room with his godbothering. Whatever issue was mentioned, Darth Kevin, the incel rep, would advocate either murder, suicide or both. OG Dog, the pickup artist, reacted to any and all things that could be remotely perceived as a slight with hysteria. Every time Steph opened his mouth, Dorg would go into meltdown. Steph, you called me subhuman and said my family should be exterminated. Well, um, obviously not you. You're one of the good ones, but you know what I mean. Darry had come over a bit funny when Steph read aloud about how the angles of the occipital bone and the glabella contributed to the formation of the reasoning and language centres of the brain, etc. He fingered his eye sockets, trying to guess the recess and its relationship to the position of his ears, and did his best to shush the alarm ramping up in his head. He was literally a Caucasian after all, but still. He ruminated on it while a man in a sarong whittled on about opening the third eye and Pastor Jason lost his shit in response. In the end, he decided that even if Steph's grasp of geography was flawed and the physiognomy was misguided, he couldn't be referring to Darry anyway. Firstly, Darry was an American through and through. And secondly, he wasn't like the losers back over there, especially the libtards. He'd made something of himself. He was self-reliant. He didn't whine and cry about discrimination. He got up off his butt and did everything he could to defy the low expectations of his ma, the school, the neighbours and society. He had never taken a handout. He put himself through college, being headhunted by the best vacuum cleaner supplier on the eastern seaboard. No way. Steph was talking about the others. And anyway, he was pretty sure that 70% of it was banter and OG Dog just had no sense of humour. Jeff the Neckbeard sat on Darry's left. He'd been quiet most of the meeting. Jeff was very overweight, had a long wizard-like beard and a ponytail. Darry was repulsed. This was him five years ago before he stumbled across Neil Strauss's New York Times bestseller, The Game, and got his act together. Something about Jeff's soft eyes and faux modesty poked at him. The neckbeard spoke hesitantly, but Darry could tell it was fake humility. 
He wore all black and had a small leather cowboy hat he balanced on his lap on top of a folded leather greatcoat. Jeff was beyond the Trilby stage. He had ascended to a higher level. Derry 100% believed that Jeff didn't contribute to the session because he thought he was above it all. They were petty bitches arguing over frickeries. He'd beaten the final boss. He was a lawnmower man. Or so he thought. What an asshole. Ah, uh, might I suggest that this discussion of DD is moot? Have you considered... Shut the fuck up, Rincewind. Derry slapped him down. With a theatrical sigh and a dismissive shake of his head, Jeff replied, But you... Oh, never mind. You're, you're so close, but you'll never get there. Ugh, typical. Derry had met his type before in bioinformatics classes. They always gave the impression that they had some special insight or higher understanding. But usually it was just some cringe about using Linux or installing a virtual operating system. He turned to Mick. He seemed relatively normal despite the spidey suit. Vanek was shouting Bible quotes at Jason for some reason. Mick looked at him with kind eyes and whispered to Darry that he mustn't take it to heart. They were just very passionate. It would all work out. Oh, what a nice man. The old man, lounging on the bed, pushed a buzzer. The shrill sound cut through the ongoing argument and the council of men fell silent. Sir Jimmy, please. Malcolm pushed his chair back and jumped to his feet. He bounded over to the bed and held out a hand, assisting Sir Jimmy out onto his feet and then over to his seat at the table. Sir Jimmy sat down and looked around the table with eyes that could cut metal. Now then, now then, boys and girls. I think I heard something amid all the shouting. What's all this about a nice young lady? Wendigo, do you have any thoughts? Come on, how chaotic energy must be contained. We need stability. We need to balance conflict and feminine degeneracy with the calming power of rational, logical masculinity. When the balance is disturbed, emotion and hysteria will change society, leading to a decline of everything we hold dear. How's about that then, boys? Gosh, um, what do you propose then? Monogamy and parents by law. If we balance the woman with man, masculine power will be restored and there is a chance we will prevent the fall of Western civilization. We must go back to go forward. Look at the most successful civilizations. What they have in common? Broken marriage and no divorce. Women enter the family and take care of the home. Men go out and take care of the world. This is how it must be. In the 21st century, war and famine don't wish so many of our men, so we don't need polygamy to take the excess women out of circulation. One man, one woman, as St. Paul writes in Corinthians, praise Jesus. The Migtos, neo-pickup artists, semen retentionists, and Jeff booed. No way, man, no way. Not happening. Are you kidding? 
We have just spent three hours explaining that every day women use, abuse and discard us and you expect us to put ourselves in harm's way and for what exactly? Gentlemen, I understand your reservations. Feminism's constant attack on us and our masculinity has left a generation of poorly socialized losers too afraid to succeed. Driven to porn and video games to fill the void. This cannot continue. <laughs> Jeff slammed his hand on the table and shouted, How dare you! Tidy your goddamn room, Jeff! Very decided it was time to step up. Hey guys, chill. We can figure this out. So, if I understand, apart from the tantric retentionists, it seems to me like it's the modern women that's the problem, not women per se. Nice, we mean. Mick said. They're savage. My old lady. She was never into all that women's lip shit, but she got me proper riled. Vanek checked in. Terry, they are wild, feral, and domesticated. I can't in good conscience take that back to my people. Jeff was next. The issue is that they're not fit for purpose. It'd be great if we could program them. I heard they have six robot brothels in Canada. Steph, is that true? Only in Toronto, Jeff. That shit is for degenerates. Very tried again. Okay, well, uh, sex robots aren't going to be mainstream or acceptable co-parents for some years. But you said programming. Well, what about training? Vanek? Mick? If we could give you a trained woman... Training? Okay, um, training. Well, housework, childcare techniques... Pastor um... Jason proffered. You know, women just don't understand hierarchy submission. I can't tell you how many young women come through premarital counselling needing months of work to get them into the right headspace to surrender th to their husbands. They just don't want to let go and give their man a chance to lead their family. I tell them Satan is a control freak. But will they listen? Okay, so Jason, you're saying that the corruption sets in early. Yes, so many were brought up in godly homes and taught how to worship through chastity, devotion and respect. Then they go outside and fall prey to temptation. I just don't know the answer. Not enough virgins either, Jason. Steph agreed. Bannock piped up with, You know, if only we could mold them, form them, teach them how to be good partners. Maybe they wouldn't need to be so hostile and cruel. Darry's brain was whirring and clicking. He could find an answer and unite the men's movement. He knew he could. So, so, okay, virgins. Submissive to men. Unworldly, open to learning from their spouse. Okay, so a virgin who is deferential to authority, hasn't read too much, hasn't been subjected to feminist propaganda, I guess she'd probably need to be pretty idealistic too, right? The table nodded and murmured in agreement. Yes, Starry. I don't know how, but you put it all together so cleanly. I'm amazed at your insights. But the question is how? 
Where do we find a lass like that? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, she probably have to be quite young. Um, uh, the men were all staring at him, nodding in encouragement. Okay, so, so very young and willing to submit to authority. Uh, obedient. The men were at the edge of their seats now. Darry continued. Um, lots of romanticism. So probably a bit immature and figuring things out. Hasn't been exposed to bad influences. Looking for a handsome prince to rescue her. Blank canvas but able to do domestic work. Some of the council members were leaning forward, their hands on the table. There was a strange feeling of barely contained energy in the room. The men were coiled springs, compressed to the absolute maximum just on the verge of release. I mean, the obvious answer is that middle schoolers, but that's the a bit... room erupted. Genius! Amazing idea! Gosh, I'd have never! Sir Jimmy raised a hand and the cacophony of cheers and yells died down. Gary, that's an absolute corker of an idea. So what you suggest is that we campaign to have each man assigned a girl at the age of 11 or 12 so we can train her and teach her the ways of the world. And she's legally bound to him for life. Gary, that is an incredible thought. Malcolm, I want someone on stage at the keynote to present this. This time I think they've really done it. What? Darry snapped out of his seat, standing rigid. No, no, he, he was only thinking aloud, like putting together all their stuff. It sounded a bit full on when Sir Jimmy put it like that. It wasn't really what he'd meant. A fluttering in the back of his head, the hairs on his scalp prickled, tiny muscle twitches around the base of his spine. This, this didn't seem right. But by now, the cheering had restarted, the men were out of their seats and crowded around him, hands all over his body, catching his limbs, sweeping his legs into the air. His body held aloft. They carried him around the penthouse, cheering. This was a victory lap. Despite his misgivings, Derry relaxed into their hands and let their worship wash over him. How had he gone from a nobody to the movement's leader so fast? They must really see something special in him. He lay back and let them toss him in the air, knowing they would catch him. Next time, on Return of the King, episode 24, I wanna dance. Barry comes over a little bit showgirls when he finds out that he's not the first choice to give the talk. Oh dear. I wonder what's gonna happen find out next week. Bye!